What's up, fantasy champions? Spotlight Sports Network is excited to tell you about an amazing deal from Thrive Fantasy, your place for daily fantasy sports and esports. Right now, with promo code SS Network, Thrive Fantasy will match up to $50 of your first deposit. So go to thrivefantasy.com and sign up now with promo code SS Network. That's thrivefantasy.com, promo code SS Network. Like the Oakland A's? Are you a fan of the Golden Knights? Do you love the Los Angeles Chargers? Well then my friend, you're in the right place. This is the Snake Sports Talk Show with your host, Jake the Snake. Silva, brought to you by the Spotlight Sports Network. Hi, ladies and gentlemen. Well, we are back here live in the 702. This is the Snake Sports Talk Show. However and however you may be watching and listening today. We are live on YouTube and on Facebook Live, Twitter, Periscope, and Twitch. I'm so glad each and every single one of you guys could be here today. And we're almost close to it being the last official episode of 2020 before we start the next few episodes into the new year. Glad every one of you guys could be here today. And I've got a lot up on my plate. And there's so much to talk about all around in the league, especially in the NFL lately. And listen, I, you know, I, I, I have very much perspected this whole entire season, and much like I perspected this whole year, it's been a a year full of ups and downs, roller coasters, however you will. But it's been a it, it had been a pretty interesting year, <clears throat> but only one that we could very much look back at. And know where we were from there. And then by next year, it may set us up for something even better. And I'll actually break break it all down. Um, I'll break it all down by tomorrow and uh, p- potentially New Year's Eve. Just to get somebody, you know, just to get all of you guys all prepped up and hyped up. And I'll share my thoughts all throughout this year. But uh, so I want to start off with this because... Um, you know, it's really interesting. This whole year had a ton of changes. It had a ton of changes. Everybody was moving left and right. Everybody was moving, you know, different places and such. I mean, listen, I've got a lot of people who are moving out here into the Vegas Valley, you know, because the prices are so good. There's moving everywhere from far and wide, you know, and then obviously with the shutdown, lots of things changed. So the biggest moves that we've had all year long in the NFL was one that involved Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay. And what you saw last night out of Buffalo and New England, this whole system with New England, it's outdated now. There is no quote-unquote system. 
and a lot of people want to sell themselves, sell them their their shares, their stock on the idea. And man, did Buffalo crush New England for the first time in a long, long time in Foxborough. That never happens. Usually you get a competitive game and it's tough to play in because you got Bill Belichick, you got the cold in Massachusetts, and but it's not intimidating now to Buffalo. Sean McDermott and Brian Dable have both clicked. Josh Allen has clicked. Stefan Diggs has clicked. This Buffalo team looks for real. And what you're seeing right now out of New England is complete, um, not a dysfunction, but it's a teardown of what once was a great dynasty. And once Tom Brady left, things changed. But one thing I will take away from this is that when you looked at New England and what was happening in the later years, Tom never got superstar wide receivers. After Randy Moss was gone, there was no dynamic wide receivers. He had to make everybody work. He had to make Julian Edelman work. He had to make Danny Amendola work. Hell, he had to make Chris Hogan work. But they never had a superstar wide receiver. And they had a Pro Bowl tight end, Rob Gronkowski. That was the only thing. But outside of it, no dynamic receivers, hardly a dynamic running back, even though I think Damian Harris could be a promising running back. I'm not sold on, you know, Sony Michelle, even though that I do think he's a really good vet, but he's streaky. Streaky as a running back. But they have all these weapons. They can't figure it out. And this is supposed to be the greatest, like the one of the top 10 best offensive lines in the NFL. And the record shows. How is that? You want to talk about quote-unquote system. Bill Belichick is obviously the architect, but he had one of the best builders to make that project come to life. That was Tom. And you look at what happened, what's happening in Tampa. Everybody's all like, ah, oh, Tom wouldn't be able. Tom's staying consistent. And what you're seeing right now is, you know, maybe it's Bruce Arians. There's no risk and no biscuit thing. It's not working, is it? You know, and, and, and you could think of other ways. But Tom has stayed consistent. No matter the age, no matter the, um, no matter what the retrospect of it is, he stayed consistent. For as old as his age is, I'm not saying he's dynamic like a Mahomes or a Josh Allen or a Justin Herbert. But he still continues to stay consistent and good enough to win games, be efficient, and he utilizes he utilizes the field with everybody, especially all of the wide receivers he has. Now he's got a truckload of wide receivers. New England could have gotten this right, but all throughout the years, they flunked it with offensive weapons. All in the draft, and they couldn't really get a superstar wide receiver into New England. Look, the, the Antonio Brown thing was only one week, and his antics is what got the best of him. That was it. Ever since then, they lost a bunch of defensive players. Kyle Van Noy, they lost a lot of key players. They still have 
Stephon Gilmore, but what good is he as he's getting older? So at this point, this system in New England's over. You know, and New England fans, listen, it's been a 20-year ride. Nobody will ever be able to accomplish that ever again. But mind you, I mean, I have one of my colleagues who I talk to all the time, Bobby of Butcher Butcher Block and Patriots Talk. I talk to him all the time. He knows this thing's over. He's been there since the beginning. And he is not relieved, but he's at ease knowing that it was a 20-year run. He gets it. A lot of newer, younger generation of Patriot fans, they don't get it yet. Because what I remembered is he used to, he, he would say that they were spoiled because they're rooting for a championship team. Seems like they win every year and all this and that, but they haven't gotten the notion of what it's like to lose. Because, of course, nobody wants to be losers. All of us want to be winners. All of us want to win, right? But sometimes it's all part of the process of how you get to winning. Buffalo, they won their division for the first time in 25 years. And, man, did they put up an ass-kicking against New England and against Belichick. But this whole system right now with New England is just terrible. And think about it. You have Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator. His numbers are completely atrocious without Tom. He did this before. He did it in Denver, tried to make Tim Tebow work. That only had a seven-game win streak, and that was it. It didn't work for the most part. Most of the completion percentages were so low, and not to mention, too, you want to talk about Arians being no risk and no biscuit. Well, McDaniels, he has his fair shares of, of throwing picks. Was it really McDaniels who made this work, or was it Tom? I'm not bashing on anybody in this particular conversation. All I'm asking is this, is that even if you have the greatest architect in Bill Belichick, Get a plan, but you never want to shun out one of the best reliable builders you had to either make in one of the, you know, the finest homes in, you know, Southern Highlands or in Summerlin or in Eliante or, or hell, you know, even in Anthem. If you got probably one of the best designs to where you got a pool in the backyard, you've got, you know, televisions all over in every single room. You got a big old uh, living room. You can watch, you, you can watch football. You're going to have all these parties and stuff like that. And it's knocked out gorgeous. Any, somebody's going to buy it. It's a gorgeous house. But then you have to think about the ones who put in the work to making that gorgeous house. You have to think about who put in the work to making New England who they are. And I just think Tom Brady didn't really get enough credit in that 20-year span. Of course, Tom Brady's a GOAT. But 199th pick in the draft. He's not dynamic. He doesn't have a he doesn't have that, you know, that Elway fleshy arm. He didn't have any of those things. But what he was was he was skilled. He was skilled mentally wise. I mean, good Lord. You know, 
you play a game of chess with him, you, I'm pretty sure that he'll checkmate you almost every time. That's how Tom was. Very strategic, very precise, accurate, and made it work. That's how it worked for for 20, for 20 years. Six Super Bowls in the middle of that making. Bill Belichick, he's a hell of a coach. But at the same time, Tom was what completed the system. Okay, It was not all Josh McDaniels. It wasn't all Bill Belichick. Tom was really the, you know, the, the root that made the system work. All right, speaking of quarterbacks, there are two quarterbacks in this league that are dealing with almost the same similar dilemma right now. And it's kind of sad because both of them, one of them goes through an injury. Um, both of them actually go through numerous amounts of injuries. One just so happens to be in the league for a short amount of time. The other seems to be in the league for seven. But here's the takeaway on why both of them are like mirroring images. And I'm talking about Carson Wentz and Derek Carr. They're both in the same similar boat. They're in a similar boat. Let's talk about Philadelphia. Because Philadelphia, as I mentioned in the previous show, okay, They've been done with Carson Wentz since 2017. They completely forget about the quarterback who had an MVP caliber season, punched the ticket into the playoffs. Hell, you know, he was accurate and he had really good receivers. Nelson Aguilar, Alshon Jeffrey had a heck of a defense. Malcolm Jenkins. Everybody forgot about that because instead they chased for one year wonder Nick Foles. He got the job done, he won a Super Bowl. Hey, hey, let's go and build a statue out in front of Lincoln Financial Field. And then there's a little bit of awkward silence in the room. Makes you wonder who really is the elephant in the room, apparently in Philadelphia's mind. Because Car Carson Wentz now has to walk into that, that facility every single day staring at that thing. Staring at it. Oh, well, we're not done there yet. Philadelphia decides to draft Jalen Hurts in the second round of the draft. I have nothing against Jalen Hurts. I think the kid, he's good. I think he's good. I have yet to see more games where I think he could really work in this league. Okay, he can run, he can throw, he's accurate. But he's also a guy that I think kind of lives and breathes a little bit of Philadelphia football. And comes in at a time where Carson Wentz is not accurate. He is not the same. And a lot of people want to bash Carson Wentz. But what you forget is, think about one of his mentors, Frank Reich, who's current coach of the Colts. Okay, he was the reason Carson Wentz worked in the first place. It was not Doug Peterson, and it wasn't anybody else. Okay, that year and the previous year, where he took a bunch of lawn chairs for wide receivers and go into the playoffs. Okay, that was all grit. He had to fight through injuries. He had to fight through, you know, getting sacked and hit until eventually in that first round of the playoffs, he gets hurt, and now here comes Josh McCown. Everybody in Philadelphia is sick about it. They're like, ah, Carson's hurt again, and he can't stay healthy. We got to get him out of town. 
Okay. Okay. If that's what solves Philadelphia's problems, then okay. But do mind you this. When you took a really, really good look at Philadelphia, Nick Foles is only a one-year wonder. I don't know what I'm going to get with Jalen Hurts. He's a young kid. He's a rookie. But I know what I was getting with Carson Wentz. Accurate thrower of the football. Sometimes puts himself in reckless situations. And that's one you can't really break somebody out of, but you got to adjust to that style. The other part is this guy that can literally create space. And he's a fighter. The only one who spoke the same language was Frank Reich. What's to say that, you know, the Indianapolis Colts recruit someone like Carson? There's a possibility. But if he goes to the Colts, he's getting the top 10 best offensive line in front of him. They're healthy. They're strong. He doesn't have to worry about a whole lot of injuries. And he's got weapons. Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, T.Y. Hilton. Frank Wright can make this work. And I think the Colts to be a quarterback away from being a very competitive team. Then let's look on the other side. In Vegas, Derek Carr and the Raiders. Okay, you know what the Raiders' dilemma is? They stick so much into the past that they can't innovate for the future. We're in 2020, ladies and gentlemen. A lot has changed since then. Hell, we're trying to acclimate into this new reality. It's not easy. But you got to be able to put in the work and you got to be able to find the problems to make your team better or make the company better or make better yet yourself personally in your personal life better. You have to make those adjustments. But what is the Raiders' dilemma? They're pinning it on the wrong person, Derek Carr. Because everybody's like, well, Derek Carr, you know, he, he never stays healthy. He's never won a playoff game. He's been there for seven years. I'm so done with it. Really? Because last time I checked with Derek Carr, he's completing 67% of his throws, throwing for almost 4,000 yards at 3,700, 25 touchdowns, seven picks. Is he really the problem? Is he really the problem? Should I have to go more? Oh, let me just tell you his completion percentage all the way through. 2020, all the way up. Or, or actually, no. Let's start from his rookie year in 2014. Completion percentage, 58, 61, 63, 62, 68, 70, 67. If that doesn't, if that doesn't impress you, how about the amount of touchdowns? 21, 32, 28, 22, 19, 21, 25. Oh, and by the way, his lowest amount of picks that he's ever thrown was six. And that was in 2016. But Derek Carr apparently still seems to be the problem in our eyes, right? You know what the dilemma of this is? Is that the defense, again, all of, a lot of Raider Nation hate hearing that. They hate hearing the fact that the defense, they know it's atrocious. We all know it is. But it should not pin who you have behind center. Even though, yes, the quarterback is the veteran leader in the room. I'm not going to disregard that. 
It's the absolute truth. Yes. But it, it, here's where I really have to speak out for this. Because, listen, if solving your problem means getting a new quarterback, go right ahead. Call the New York Jets. They've got the number two pick in the draft. I am sure they're going to want to trade that number two pick. They're probably going to end up asking for an offensive line, two, um, two draft picks, maybe even three. And then there you go. You'll get your quarterback. You'll probably end up getting Kyle Trask. But is that really going to solve all your problems? Because John Gruden is the only coach. Mind you this, folks. John Gruden, three different seasons, 1998, 2008, and 2020. From the year span of 98 all the way to 2020, 140 teams started 6-3 and three that year, and all of them made the playoffs. All of them made the playoffs. Oh, except for one coach. Well, that was John Gruden. So we we still want to blame Derek Carr for his injuries and his hard work on, on the field. You have a quote-unquote saying, committed to excellence, right? We're just win, baby! But what's, go what's really going on? Because last time I checked, twice, two weeks, they got conservative. Four for four and fourth downs. They don't go for it. And over time, they instead settle for a field goal. And Justin Herbert launched the ball all the way downfield. Chargers won the game. Oh, it gets even better because then you play Miami. You take a kneel on third down, settle for a field goal. Fitz Magic comes up, throwing that ball deep downfield, gets his pretty much almost his face taken off and then Miami wins the game. You really, really want to pin the blame on Derek Carr? Because I'll tell you this, how many quarterbacks did it take to finally got that, that one quarterback that actually is efficient and he works. I don't think this is a Derek Carr thing. I think this has to deal with more as a head coaching problem. Okay, that's what I feel like it, it, it is what that is. If it doesn't get any better, let me just show you exactly the list of the list of coaches that were all on the staff. Okay, let's let's date back from two thousand seven. Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin was five and fifteen, and he was out of a job in two thousand eight. Tom Cable comes in. Oh, did it get better? No, it got worse. 17 and 27. Hugh Jackson. Oh, we love the guy, don't we? We got fired in the middle of the year going 8 and 8. And then we go to Dennis Allen, who was just <clears throat> atrocious at 8 and 28. And then you got Tony Sperano in 14, who goes 3 and 9. Jack Del Rio was lucky enough to have a winning record at 25-23. And then you have Gruden, who's 56 and 55. Folks, I'm looking at the numbers, and I'm also judging this by the play. If you move on from Derek Carr, all I can tell you is this. 
I feel like he'll succeed elsewhere. It'll be in the same boat as Derek as Carson Wentz. You want to blame Carson Wentz for a lot of the inefficiencies and for a lot of the inconsistencies, but is it really Carson or does he not have the right guy with him? Because I guarantee you, if you got Carson Wentz going to the Colts with Frank Reich, how much do you want to end up betting Carson Wentz is barely going to get touched in Indianapolis? And Indianapolis makes it far to the championship. Okay, we're not going to go to Super Bowl just yet. But they make it far to the championship. Or who else needs a quarterback who needs Derek Carr? If he goes like, you know, let's just hypothetically speaking, what if he goes to Denver? Denver's looking for quarterbacks, right? What if he succeeds in Denver? What do the Raiders do then? They want to sell themselves on this idea that Derek Carr is the reason that all of these woes are happening. I find that very, very slim and hard to believe. I believe it's been the coaching and it has been the defensive coordinating, not to mention the play calling. Because, I mean, look at what's happening with the Chargers. Justin Herbert's unbelievable. He's putting up the points. He's putting up the numbers. So it's not the coordinator. And then the defense, defense looks solid, may need a little bit of adjustments. It doesn't look to be the defense. The only thing it points to is now the head coach. The Raiders are a good enough team. They don't have the right defense yet. Darren Waller is unbelievable. Josh Jacobs is a hell of a runner of the football. And then you've got Nelson Aguilar, who I hope they resign because he's been playing great with the Raiders. And then you also have Henry Ruggs, who is still developing in this league. I'm just telling you right now, you make that mistake. You sign that deal with the devil where you let Carson Wentz and you let Derek Carr walk out the door. Because Philadelphia has been done with Carson Wentz since 2017. And from what it sounds like, the Raiders have been done with Derek Carr since last season. So go ahead. Go ahead. But I'll guarantee you, I won't tell you how karma hits, and I won't tell you where it's going to hit, but it's definitely going to hit rock bottom. All right, coming up next. <laughs> so, you know, I have an upset alert. I have an upset alert this up and coming week. Because I have been talking about this for the last four weeks. Okay, there's one specific team. Everybody's in shock and awe, and they 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 praise so much. But the red zone offense don't look right. Something's off, and I feel like this week is going to be an upset alert. I'll explain that coming up next, and then I'll be talking a little bit more about the NBA. So uh, for all of you fantasy football wizards champions far and wide you guys love playing right you love playing fantasy baseball football all sorts of sports oh and let's not forget about the diehard gamers well here's the thing we've got the place for you it's called thrive fantasy thrive fantasy has a numerous amount of matchups and plays that you guys can actually win up to 15 grand in some of these pool plays rotos head-to-head matchups you name it when you go online to Thrive Fantasy or download the app and sign up today, use promo code SS Network. That's short for Spotlight Sports Network. And when you 
Put in your first deposit of 20 bucks. Thrive Fantasy always makes a promise to match that to $50 in your first official play. And you'll get more in pocket for more fun, cold, hard cash winning games. When you sign up today and you play today, use promo code SS Network online or on the app, thrivefantasy.com. What's up, fantasy champions? Spotlight Sports Network is excited to tell you about an amazing deal from Thrive Fantasy, your place for daily fantasy sports and esports. Right now, with promo code SS Network, Thrive Fantasy will match up to $50 of your first deposit. So go to thrivefantasy.com and sign up now with promo code SS Network. That's thrivefantasy.com, promo code SS Network. Hey, I'm Fireman Ed, and you're watching Gang Green David. Welcome to the My City My Game Pop Show featuring Raider J77, your place for all things Raiders and all things Trailblazers. Brought to you by the Spotlight Sports Network. Make sure you like, subscribe, and hit the bell for notifications. Now let's go. So there you go. Those last two shows that you could definitely catch on. One of them is My City My Game with your host Raider J, as they call him. Uh, John Francis, he's a really good colleague of ours here on the Spotlight Sports Network. Definitely check him out at My City, My Game. And he always has the best reactions up on his show. And then also check into Gang Green David, a diehard uh, Jets content creator as well. One of our best colleagues here. So definitely check out both of their shows. Like, subscribe, and hit the bell button for all latest notifications on those shows up and coming. So I cannot stress this enough how many weeks I've been watching this. But... The one specific team, the last few weeks, the scores have been getting closer and closer. And my God, last week, they're facing against a team who's always known for coughing up uh, leads and, you know, blowing the games out and everything else. 
Good Lord. What the hell's going on? So Kansas City, as of course everybody ran raves, they're 14-1 right now, and they've got the number one seed in the AFC. But I don't think they are playing like a legit number one seed. Because last week, they're playing against the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, a team that you already know, they've coughed up so many leads. They've blown a bunch of, you know, a bunch of their games this year. And they fired Dan Quinn. They had a lot of different issues. And last week, they were going for a trick play. Sammy Watkins ends up throwing it uh, to Patrick Mahomes. And then it gets intercepted by Keanu Neal. Oh, and let's not forget the, the so-called red zone offense. The red zone offense, Patrick Mahomes tries to throw one in the red zone, and he gets picked off. And then later in the game, it was 17-14. to 14. Young Hoku tried to tie it, goes wide. And Kansas City, they were lucky this didn't end up going into overtime. Folks, I like Kansas City. But something's not right about their red zone offense in the last couple of weeks. These scores have been getting closer and closer. 17-14, the 32-29. What could possibly be happening right now? Because, listen, we love Patrick Mahomes. Well, he's great. You know, he's got the arm. He's got he's flashy. And they're always seeming to put it up 20-plus points, right? But the defense now has been giving up points. It kind of scares me a little bit. And the red zone offense has not been the same. They're not the team that is so lethal in the red zone and it strikes that easily. So now you're in this dilemma where I'm going to tell you right now, Buffalo looks like the complete team. They look like the team that is going to be tough to beat. I mean, Brian Dable, Sean McDermott, they have worked a ton all throughout the offseason. They get Stephon Diggs. They solve Josh Allen's problem, and now he's got a wide receiver who throw, he throws to, is an over-the-top type of receiver, and he can catch the deep ball throws. He can catch them. Gabriel Davis, underrated wide receiver. And then D Dawson Knox. Cole Beasley. And the defense, by the way, the defense has actually been looking pretty solid. Tredavis White, Truman Edmonds. Like, Buffalo looks like the complete team. Listen, we know it's tough to go back-to-back -to -back in Super Bowls. It's very difficult. When you win the one, I mean, it's it's like a, it's a miracle. It's the greatest feeling you'll ever you'll ever have, right? But it's even tougher when you get to trying to win back to back. I mean, good lord, ask you would you would definitely ask the late Kobe Bryant what it was like to winning back to back championships from 2009-2010. Okay, and even before then with Shaq, winning three titles altogether. You know the Oakland A's. 72, 73, and 74. They, they won World Series championships. After all the hardships they were dealing with, with Charlie Finley and so much more, but they've won three World Series.
back to back to back. That'll never be done again. The Lakers and what they've done, that'll never be done again. Kansas City is a very competitive team, and I know that with their offense. But the defense, defense right now is kind of looking off. I'm not saying Kansas City is not a dynamic team. They are. But when it's little things like that, little details, that's the stuff that I kind of get a little bit concerned of. I get a little concerned of about that. Because think about it. you got Tennessee. you got Buffalo. Um, you've got a bunch of these AFC teams. Um, either or, they're either dynamic on defense or they're dynamic on offense. Either one of them. Buffalo's got the best of both worlds. Indianapolis, I don't know how, how far Phillip Rivers can really take this Colts team, but I know their defense is top-notch. I don't know, you know, if, if honestly, in truth and reality, if Cleveland's really that dynamic of a team. I mean, I like Baker Mayfield. But after last week coughing up the football, there's questions. And then, you know, you got you got a bunch more. You got Tennessee. Tennessee got boat raced by Green Bay. They're obviously not a cold weather team. They're not used to that cold. I mean, it was crazy. I think Derrick Henry was the only one who came prepared, but at the end of it, Tannehill just looked off. And Green Bay was sending a was sending a message to everybody, and I'll explain about that later. But all I can say is, is I think this week is going to be an upset week because Kansas City plays at home against Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Last time they met it was a close game, twenty three to twenty. Kansas City was not prepared for Justin Herbert. They were not prepared. They were more prepared for Tyrod Taylor, but not for Herbert. And Herbert is obviously top-notch candidate for Rookie of the Year. And he's been balling. He's been playing well. But I think this second time, because remember, he beat the Raiders the second time. Okay, wasn't the first matchup, but the second matchup, he beat him. Not the first matchup against Denver, but in the second, beat him. Do we have a trend? They lost a close one to Kansas City the first time. Maybe, just maybe, the second time around, it's not going to be as simple as you all think. It's not going to be as simple. So I would not be, I would not get cocky. I would not be cocky if I'm Kansas City right now. And, and that's where I'm just like, you know, again, anything can happen. It's any given Sunday. It's any given Sunday, no matter what day it is or in what position that you're in. All I know is, is that if Kansas City doesn't work this right, there's going to be one team in particular in the playoffs. They're going to figure that out. Maybe it's Buffalo. Maybe it's Tennessee. Maybe it's any of them in the AFC. But all I'm saying is... Just straighten yourselves out, get it right, and be prepared because de de December December has not looked good in that red zone offense for Kansas City. It has not. This has been looking real bad. But just being, just being an informant, just being an informant for the long run.
Do I believe in Kansas City in the playoffs? Sure I do. But performances like this, they're going to get exposed. Time now for the hot press. This is the hot press. So, um, you know, there were, there were a bunch of news all around in the league. And so, of course, you know, the releasing of Dwayne Haskins um, in Washington. Obviously, you know, with everything that's been happening with the Washington football team, you know, the, the, the name change we know is so obvious. But the other thing of this is um, they're kind of crazy, you know. And in and, and Washington, there was there, there was a thing about there, there was a thing about you know Dwayne Haskins. And to be honest, like this is what I what we initially thought of for. You know, a long period of time. We dealt with this with Johnny Menzel. We dealt with this with, you know, we're dealing with this with Baker Mayfield, and we dealt with this with a bunch of quarterbacks. Dwayne Haskins, young kid. And this is what's difficult about the NFL. And it's very, very competitive, but it's also very nerve-wracking because you're asking a 22-year-old kid to lead a franchise. It's tough. But you have to think about the maturity rate that you have for a kid that's in 20. Listen, I'm 25. Okay, I'm 25. And if you give a kid a, a, a little bit more of experience, I guarantee you that he would work. But after all the antics with Dwayne Haskins, I don't even know if he'll be able to have a gig in the NFL. I'm not saying the kid's terrible, but the maturity's off the field shows his value in this league. And believe me, it is highly highly critique like the critique levels are over the top that's how the nfl is so you're either making it or breaking it either way and so that's that's the thing yeah caskets can't stop going exactly that's, but that's the maturity uh so the memphis grizzlies and guard john Morant has a grade two ankle sprain after suffering that um in the uh, in the previous game that he had against the Brooklyn Nets, and uh, it was a big time overtime win over the Nets on Monday, 116 to 111, and they found out that it's a grade two uh, ankle sprain, so he's expected to miss three to five weeks. Um, kind of tough, real tough for the Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, I love John Morant. I think he's a really good dynamic talent. Uh, something that I think you know Memphis is going to be able to build around for the next couple of years, but. Um, yeah, this is, this is going to be interesting. But I hope, you know, the best recovery for John Morant. Hope to see him back up on the court again. But um, that's, a, that's a big hit for, for Memphis. So um, after all of these recent trade news and hot, like just, I mean, right now the news has been red hot in San Diego. As the Padres now have already pulled off deals where they end up acquiring like Snell from the Tampa Bay uh, Rays. And they also end up acquiring you uh, Darvish from the Chicago Cubs. Now the Cubs, of course, they're in full-on rebuild mode. They're getting younger. They're getting better. And they needed to make that happen. Now, Blake Snell's situation with Tampa, that's a big hit. Because we all know in that previous World Series, Blake Snell gets pulled out with less than an innings at five and a third, 73 pitches, and he struck out nine. Like the Dodgers, the Dodgers were struggling with left-handed pitching. 
all night long in that game and why they told him out, I don't know. But now he's going to San Diego where he's going to face the Dodgers more, like, multiple times. And you, Darvish, he's played with the Dodgers before after getting traded there from Texas to the Dodgers in 2017. And then also uh, pitched against him with the Cubs. So this is interesting. Now, I do think San Diego needs to bolster their bullpen. But I'm, I told a lot of people this. The reason that all these players now are starting to migrate into San Diego is not only just about the location. It's not just about, you know, being in each season. But it's about one particular kid in, in, in one particular name. Fernando Tatis Jr. That kid is so dynamic. And at his young age, he's a game changer. You're going to see him be a superstar for the next 10 years ahead. Fast, flashy. I mean, I don't want to say this, but he's got that same swagger as Patrick Mahomes in, in Major League Baseball. And baseball is a sport that's so traditional that they're trying to change the tradition of the game. We're not trying to change the tradition. We're just trying to make it better. Have fun with it. Let the kids play. Isn't that the slogan? And now you got Blake Snell. you got you Darvish. Hawkers are going to be a very interesting team in the NL West. I can't wait to see what that's going to look like. But all I can say is Tatis, Machado, Hosmer, Myers, Really cannot go wrong with that. I think that if they fix their bullpen up and maybe get a middle of, middle of the rotation guy, look out, MLB. Look out, National League, because Slam Diego is coming down very red hot. They've got pitching on their side. Okay, so finally, um, so the Pittsburgh Steelers had ended up announcing for the last game of the season that Big Ben is going to sit and Mason Rudolph is going to get the start against the Cleveland Browns. So of course they're going to give uh, Pittsburgh uh, they're going to get they're going to give Big Ben some rest. And listen, Pittsburgh is another team that has been concerned because they've been a beating gun offense. They have not looked the same on passing and running. They they I mean they barely run for yards. They only rush for about four yards per carry. You know, and, and, and it's bad. And they lead the league in drop passes. So that's what's very interesting about Pittsburgh. But uh, I understand the deal. You're going to rest your starter, give, you know, give them plenty of time, and who knows what the, the, the first – I don't – that's the one thing about Pittsburgh. I don't even know what I'm going to get in the first round of playoffs. If it started today, I don't know what I'm going to get. And that's the part with Pittsburgh I have trouble figuring out. So I think it is a good idea. It's a good idea to rest up your starter, bring in another one, um, and just hoping that he comes. Because, listen, Big Ben has not looked the same since the injuries, and I think we all know that. Pittsburgh's going to eventually move on from Ben. Um, no, actually, Pittsburgh won the division. They didn't, even if they lose to Cleveland, they already won the division. They already won the division because Cleveland's loss um, on that fumble, that's what did it for them. Now, if they didn't lose, that's, that was what I was hoping for. If Pittsburgh lost against Indianapolis and Cleveland won that game this past week, 
then it would have been more to play for because Cleveland would have won this game against Pittsburgh and Cleveland would have won the division. Because Cleveland lost, and somehow, some way, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh came back and won the game against Indianapolis. Now, now Cleveland had, they're just going to be in the wild card. They're going to be in the wild card, but at least they're in the playoffs. But, I mean, that's just going to be interesting to see how Pittsburgh really takes it. But, I just think the move, they're just there to rest up for me. Alright, so, that was your hot press, folks. Coming up next, my favorite segment of all, of course, is my top 10 winners and losers of the week. And so um, I will be having all of that coming up next. And uh, you'd be very surprised who I've got here for this week. Because, um, like I said, there's a lot of there's a lot of ifs. I'm kind of iffy with this one, but I'll have it all here coming up next. So if you haven't already, because we're getting ready to go into the new year of 2021. 2020 is going to be far in the past with all of us. but if you want to start out the year right, repping the repping for the network, we've got all the gear here for you. T-shirts, masks, hoodies, hats, mugs, um, uh, cell phone cases, and so much accessory. We all have it here on the SpotlightSportsGear.com. When you go online, we've got a bunch of deals coming up for next month, so stay tuned for that. Um but if you want to start the year off right in 2021 and repping for the network or repping for your favorite shows on the network, check it out at the spotlightsportsgear.com.
All righty, folks. Well, I'm glad you guys have tuned in here in tonight's showing, and I really do appreciate you guys hanging out with me here today or tonight. <clears throat> as, of course, I will be back on tomorrow night as well with a brand new fresh episode. And then, of course, we'll also have a, a New Year's uh, episode coming up as well. Really glad you guys, I've been able to spend time with you guys here uh, on the show. Um, man, it's been a lot of fun. But this is what's going to be very, very interesting here. So my best for last, as everybody knows, I love doing it. So um, my top five winners and losers from week 16. I have – this is what's interesting. There are a bunch of takeaways. Um, the one in particular you wouldn't expect to be is the winner. And one you wouldn't expect as being the high-end loser. This is what's going to be very interesting. And as I said before, the way that I end up looking at this is I look at this from based upon performances. And I also look upon, you know, how they've looked, uh, you know, as far as how the game flowed. You know, it's all based upon performances. If the performances were good, you'd be a winner. If performances were bad, you'd be the losers up on here. So... Without further ado, let's go ahead and start this up with our top five winners and losers of week 16. Rank them up. It's the top five winners and losers of the NFL week, according to Jake. Number five. All right, so number five, the winner here um, this week was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um <clears throat> My thing with Tampa, though, I still have a concern about what this team is still capable of, especially when we get into the playoffs. But Tom Brady has shown you how consistent he really is. And it's kind of interesting because, listen, you can say what you want to about Bruce Arians. I understand that. I already know that. But Tampa looked really, really good on offense. Putting up uh, demolishing Detroit. Detroit was obviously the heavy losers in this one, but they weren't the losers in my opinion. Uh, and this is what's kind of crazy. But I think Tampa, their offense, still some questions, but I think it's going to be really good. What's going on, Water King? How's that water flowing? How's that water flowing under that bridge, man? What's going on? <laughs> um, so. Again, I think I think Tampa Bay, they got a real good offense, but we'll see how, how much consistency I'm getting with that offense. Alright, number four, and you would not expect this, but the Dallas Cowboys are my number four team as the Dallas, they actually put they actually put up a good beating against the Philadelphia Eagles. But here's why I put them as winners. Because next week, next week they gotta end up playing, you know, they gotta end up playing for their division. And I truly think out of all the teams that are in the AFC or the NFC East, because you got the Giants, you've got the Cowboys, and you also got Washington. Washington, they're going with a different quarterback. I don't trust. The Giants, I'm not sure they're even in a position where they really can make the playoffs. But Dallas, who would have thought? I'm not big, again, I'm not big 
on Dallas at all. I'm not digging that debate. But that's the only reason why that I put him in the world. So don't get ahead of yourselves, Cowboy fans. Okay? But I just think the performance I saw from that. The offense looked really good. Andy Dalton looked much better. But I do think this next up and coming week, they'll be fighting for the division. And I think it's going to be a lot fun to watch. Number three. All right, number three is the New Orleans Saints. Good God, did Alvin Kamara just look great. Alvin Kamara was running the football, six touchdowns. I mean, that, that that's the most we've ever seen in a running back since Gale Sayers and so many others. But I, I still have concerns about Drew Brees and how his performance is going to be in the long run. But, I mean, the Saints defense, they did give up a lot of points against Minnesota, but Minnesota just lost themselves in the, little, in the, in the midst of the game. But, uh, but that's my one big thing, is that the Saints with their run game, you could always trust Alvin Kamara in those situations. And my God, he hooked ridiculous 999 do not spam man otherwise i'm gonna have to put you in the corner for that nonsense okay please be respectful okay so that's what i'm going the warlands here in the, in that one at my number three it's reasonable number all right, number two is the Green Bay Packers. I don't think people are seeing this. I don't think people are seeing this, but Green Bay is sending a statement to the NFC. Because Sunday night's game against Tennessee in cold weather in the snow, God, they were kicking Tannehill's ass. I mean, the linebackers look really good. The secondaries look really good. And by the way, how about A.J. Dillon? Watching him run the football, they're going to have free agents by the next year. Aaron Jones is set to be a free agent, and then there's one more, uh, the backup runner. A.J. Dillon, I think, is a guy that, you know, he, he's a power back. He's a power back. He's physical. He's a guy that busts through offensive lines. But it's, it, it, it's a really, really good showing. And I think Green Bay on top of the mix because we know with Aaron Rodgers having an MVP caliber season, looks great. And, but this is a team in the NFC. They are sending a serious statement. But it's not like the one team that's sending a statement in the AFC. Number two. Number one. Number one team I've got this week is the Buffalo Bills. You cannot disregard this team. I mean, they put an absolute ass-kicking to New England against Belichick and the so-called system. Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. It was like matchmaking that was meant to be. Uh, both of them are very dynamic. I think Buffalo solved their problem with their over-the-top receiver. And Buffalo right now looks to be a very intimidating team. They are having a really, really good December. This is the best time to get red hot at the play, you know, before the playoffs. So Buffalo, I mean, McDermott and Dable, it's just some really, really good guys. And they work really good. So... And even so, even if it's just the Patriots, but still, Buffalo's telling you they can score, and they're a team that can really play physical on the defense. 
My winners and losers, Tampa, my winner, Tampa, at number five, Cowboys at four, Saints three, Packers two, and Bills at one. So now let's take a look at the losers this week. Number five. So number five, of course, Ty is going to hate me with this, but it's Kansas City Chiefs. Why? Why was that game that close? Explain yourself. I mean, a performance like that against an Atlanta Falcons team that is known to cough up leads, and not to mention they can't generate as much as offense, like, it should have never been that close. If Young Ho Koo kicked that field goal and it was good, that game would have been into overtime, and Kansas City would have dropped a dud in that game. They would have dropped a dud again, you know, in that game against Atlanta. Unacceptable. And and that's where I'm just like, you got to straighten yourself up. Kansas City is still a good team. But this red zone offense, man, it's scary. It's absolutely scary. Number four. Number four is obviously the good New England Patriots. I mean, this system's the system is so outdated. I mean, the, the system is completely outdated. It's all. You know, Belichick, still one of the greatest coaches in the NFL. But Josh McDaniels right now, I mean, he's literally telling you, like, these numbers are atrocious without Tom. And Tom is still staying consistent in Tampa, regardless of what's happening. I mean, he's been playing really, really good. Look it up. But New England, they got their asses handed to at home of all places in Foxborough. You never see that. You hardly ever see that. That's the first time in a very, very, very long time that the Patriots lost that badly at home. Like, way, way before. But, um, but yeah, that, that was a bad loss. Bad loss for New England. But I just think this system's over. Number three. All right, this is a team that has been on the same number in the same spot already now for the past uh, consecutive weeks, um, is the the Las Vegas Raiders. What the hell were they going what, – what the hell was Gruden doing? In that situation where you're at the goal line, a game that close, here's what happened. They kneeled at third down settle for a field goal and now Miami's in field position where of course Fitzpatrick who came in because Tua ended up getting benched again and there are several questions of is this really going to work of course Tua needs more work he's not making mistakes but he's got to have more work to be a dynamic quarterback but you got the best quarterback at least right now for for Fitzpatrick, but he goes, throws a deep downfield, gets face face mask, and Miami wins that game in the field goal, and it was bad. That's twice now that the Raiders have gone consecutive conservative games, and again, I've been trying to tell everybody. This is not all about Derek Carr. This is more about just the defense not stepping it up, and at the same time, they get conservative at the worst time possible. If it were me, if it were me, if I was John Gruden, I would have gone for the touchdown, 
settle for a two-point conversion to get the defense on their heels because I trust Darren Waller is going to catch it and he's going to convert the two points. Then it would have been a position where Miami would have needed to make a big play, force them to throw downfield. All I need is three rushers to get to the pocket and everybody else cover. Everybody else play cover. Cover all the receivers because that's what's going to happen. That's pressurizing. That's checkmate. But unfortunately, Gruden in consecutive weeks, he just got conservative. And it's just not good for the Raiders. Number two is the uh, the Washington football team. Because right now they're in a, a bad position where after Dwayne Haskins, he's just not he's not maturely there yet. You're asking a kid to really – you're asking a kid to carry this franchise that this franchise we already know is bad enough. Dan Snyder and a lot of these big time – you know, the, the, a lot of these owners and front office guys. This has been an absolute atrocious wreck in Washington, and I get it. But you don't take a selfie in a losing season. You don't go to a strip club after losing a game against Seattle by five. Mind you, that shows lack of maturity and lack of leadership. The kid is good. He's got potential, but his mind's not there yet. And that's why Washington had to cut him. And now they have to settle for a third stringer because you're trying to force Alex Smith to go out and play while he's still hurt. And that's where I just feel like, again, that's why I like I put the Cowboys at number four with my winners because that's the position the Cowboys now have a chance at. They're not a great team, but they have an opportunity to taking that worst division in football in the NFC East. And Dwayne Haskins, he just never got it through his head. He never got it through his head. He never had the sense of urgency or the sense that, hey, we can make the playoffs, guys. Never let them do the playoffs. Number one worst team this week was the Los Angeles Rams. Jared Goff, I don't know what's going to be going on with him, but word report is, is that Jared Goff dislocated his thumb. And uh, it's not looking good right now for the L.A. Rams. And they're hoping that their star quarterback gets healthy, but besides that, um, there's been some inconsistencies with the Rams. I don't know what seems to be going on with their offense, but it's not looking as dynamic as I thought they were, and I'm sure a lot of people thought they were. I love the defense. I, I mean, I, I, I absolutely love the defense, but this just does not look like the, t the type of Rams team that could be intimidating in the NFC. Right now, I give that crown to, to, to Green Bay. Green Bay played in the cold, in the snow, at 24 degrees in Lambeau, and they pushed Tennessee around. Green Bay, they sent a statement. They sent a bigger statement than what the Rams But it's unfortunate. You know, and, and again, I, I I really do like the Rams. I really do because, again, I love Cooper Cup. I love Robert Woods. Jared Goff, again, 
Jared Goff is their franchise guy, but they still have to make those adjustments. I just think, you know, through, you know, through the, the last bit end of the season is I think that's where the Rams are unraveling. They're just, they're unraveling and it's not looking great at their part. Um, that's why, and now, you know, a dislocated and broken thumb out of golf, and now they have to settle for a backup quarterback that I don't even know. I just think the Rams, they're, they're going to be in a very, very tough position. They're going to be in a tough position. The defense may be really good, but if nothing's working on offense, man, uh, Rams could be in big-time trouble. They could be in big-time trouble. You'll see more teams in the NFC with the Saints, the Buccaneers, and um, and the Packers. Those are three big-time teams right now. I mean, I have questions about Tampa. Um, the Saints, I'm not sure with Drew Brees, but Green Bay is literally telling you they're the best in the NFC. But So that's my top five winners and losers this week. Tampa... Dallas, New Orleans, Green Bay, and Buffalo as my top five winners. Losers, I've got Kansas City, New England, Vegas, Washington, and the Rams as my losers from there, very respectfully. But, um, yeah, I mean, this was a really good week. Next week, last, last final week of the regular season, I cannot wait for that, but it's going to be a lot of fun. But, I'm glad all of you guys can jump up on here and join me here up on the show. Thank you so much for being here tonight, and we will see you guys tuning in tomorrow night. Take care. Have a great night, and we'll see you tomorrow.